This episode is brought to you by Factor Meals. It certainly is because eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. If you're somebody like me who cannot cook to save their little lives, it's a game changer. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to eat in, wait for it, just two minutes. Plus, you'll have over 35 options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You can pick from two minute meals where you can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. With pancakes, smoothies, and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And Factor Meals are ready to heat and eat. They're ready. There's no prepping. There's no cooking. There's no chopping up veggies. None of that stuff. If you're like me and you're busy, whack on a podcast, whack these in, and they're ready to go. Nothing for you to do. No cleanup either. And the great thing is it's flexible for your schedule. So you can get as much or as little as you need when choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime if anything changes. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. So sign up and save. Factor is less expensive than takeaway and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. So head to factormeals.com slash TWTW50 and use code TWTW50 to get 50% off. That's code TWTW50 at factormeals.com slash TWTW50 to get 50% off. Hello, I'm Grongy Maguire and this is Chantelle Fiducian and Pate. Hello. bonded over our love of reminiscing about weird celebrity couples. The ones no one would believe happened if Google wasn't there to back it up. We want you to join us as we remember when love was young, times were simpler, and we really thought that Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton were going to make it. Every week we're joined by a celebrity guest to discuss the showbiz romance they never got over. So take our hand and stroll down memory lane with us as we remember the, the way, way they were. Hi Chantelle. Hi Gronia, how are you? I'm very excited because you know why? Talk to me. Why? It is the 8th of September. It's the 8th of September, it is. Calendars <laughs> are helpful for us, yeah. And that can only mean one thing. What is that? One week, one dainty little week till our live show. The countdown begins, guys. Seven days to go till our first ever live show. If you're not already aware of this, we're playing as part of the London Podcast Festival, which we're very honoured to be part of. We have our very special guest, Christopher Hall, coming, which we're also very excited about. Grania has told me the couple he's chosen is going to be iconic. She says that a lot, but I think she really means it this time. She's very excited about it. I'm very excited to find out who it's going to be. We're both very excited to see all of you there. If you haven't already got your tickets, this is really last chance saloon, kids. Get in there, get your tickets. What are you most excited about, Grania? I'm most excited because I suddenly realized today I I could buy a new outfit and it genuinely could be tax deductible. Oh my God, can I do that? If... 
if HMRC are listening, we're just gals. Just gals goofing off. But I think it is. I think it would be tax deductible. Could it be like, could I, is, is that retroactive? Could it be an outfit I bought about a month ago? And can I claim that back? Because <laughs> that'd be really helpful. I, I mean, I'm not a registered accountant, but I think it would be fine. <gasps> okay, so guys, not only is it a live show, but we apparently are bringing some Lukes. And I'm spelling that L-E-W-K. So you better watch out. That stage ain't going to know it. Most podcasters are like, oh, I'm going to wear a hoodie and jeans. Me and mm-hmm. Grania are going for it. So this we is going to be... We are going for this it. Is a, this is more of a fashion show with a side of podcasting and celebrities. So get ready. <gasps> I, I think exciting. we should go as... Um, the vibe should be like Cher and what's her name and Clueless. That's what we should be Cher? <laughs> Dion Sharon Dion Dion okay I'm down with that I want to wear the black hat with the big plastic rim or we go as remember okay you might this I don't know if this will end up on the podcast but remember the scene where they're discussing what they want to have at their weddings and Dion's favorite idea is to have everyone very nautical looking like sailors we can do that and see if anyone gets the reference I, listen, every gal loves a sailor. I'm a dog. My dad, technically, he's in the Navy. He was a pilot, but technically a sailor. And everyone loved him. That was why the marriage didn't last. Anyways. <laughs> it can sometimes be a problem. Anyway, speaking of someone who's not a problem. Oh, speaking of, of charmers. I was about to say problematic charmers, but there's nothing oh. problematic no about way. the little dish that we have on. Oh, my God. Oh, this God. was such a fun episode. I loved this. It's honestly, it's such an, I, I know I say it a lot, but very iconic couple. It really is. Um, it really but is. our amazing guest is the fantastic comedy writer, Max Davis. The, the way, way they were. Hi, Maxie. Hi, Grania. Hi, Max. Thanks so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me, Chantal. It's very exciting to be here. You're welcome. I love this. is a very exciting episode because I feel like your family, your podcast family, and you're fu- you're finally Aww. on the show. Long time listener, big fan. What, <laughs> it, has been a long, to, uh, it has been a long time coming. This one. It's been a journey. I've been looking forward to it. <laughs> Max, we're a very romantic podcast, and mm-hmm. I just want to know, as well as being an actor, comedy writer, would you include lover in your list of adjectives? <laughs> well, I'm definitely not a fighter, so <laughs> I think I have to. I, that's the only other option, I think, isn't there? Mm. I, I am, I am very romantic. I've always Ooh, been nice. a very. I was quite a romantic child, <laughs> which Talk I think is me. a weird. <laughs> A weird thing to you know like I was always kind of like falling in love with babysitters Aww. and you know the, like girls at school when I was at primary school and stuff I'd be like I love this girl so and did it change like did. weekly would you you get bored pretty fast or was it like yeah, was it a crush that was, lasted years or was it just like every was, every day a new girl I think in real life I would I was very um changeable and okay. constant um but I think in like movies and stuff I I think my my crushes have kind of always remained like when I was at school I had a huge crush on Julia Louis-Dreyfus and I still have a crush on her so that's oh, kind of fair enough. Like a 20 year you know but I, I with the one that the, brought you yeah yeah I know well, and she's she just gets better and better she does know? it's like a fine line exactly yeah and, and she's what? got bucks 
like mega, mega, <laughs> mega bucks. Which she, is good when we get married. Yeah, she comes from money and then made loads of money. She's the dream woman. Oh, does she come from money? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah she oh, comes I didn't know from that. like Rockefeller money, like like that does level she? of money. Like, she's like, really? Like Paris Hilton style money. Yeah, yeah. She was a princess, oh. Max, and you didn't even she's, know. I know. I know, exactly. Yeah. I loved her purely for her herself. <laughs> that's know, what she would love about. Oh, this is the rom com waiting to happen. She'd I'm be very much the, char- the Charlie Bucket of uh, celebrity crushes in that case. Though. You could both get together as comedy myself. writers and write this rom-com perfectly. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I in it as yeah, well? Yeah, you both play each other play? then you fall in love while making it. This is going to happen. That do, would be lovely. Do you remember the first time that you tried to like impress one of your crushes or like how did you, how did that express itself? This, I, I imagine this little romantic Max Davis I do, yes. I remember there was a girl, I probably can't say her name because she's a real person. Her first name was Tracy, but I won't tell you what her second name was. Tracy Jacks. Tracy Jacks, yeah, yeah, yeah. She (laughs) was a blur song. I... And I loved Tracy when I was about 11, I think. And I remember we had like a at secondary school, we had a kind of like a just before the end of term party with like crisps and sweets. And I think some people were snogging, but I wasn't. I hadn't reached snogging kind of. I hadn't got there yet. Okay. But I really, really liked Tracy. And I remember getting up on a table and singing uh, along to um, I've Had the Time of My Life. From nice, Dirty Dancing, good choice. Because that came up on the... We had like someone had like a little cassette recorder. Rare to see a straight man sing along to that as well. So, <laughs> which was yeah, that was, I think that's what everybody was thinking at the time. You know, they were like, and of course I was eleven, so the story hadn't been written yet. Exactly. They were like, so is this perfectly normal out? that this this gay child has? <laughs> and and when when you think that I was trying to impress Tracy, she must have been like, oh. So are you maintaining eye contact with Tracy while you're singing along to the song? I mean, I have to hope that I wasn't because that's absolutely terrifying, <gasps> oh. isn't it? I mean, you know, And the reaction Tracy. was she didn't, didn't I, I, Looking back now, I have to assume that not only was she not won over by the song, <laughs> she probably had zero, until that moment, had no idea that I even existed. <laughs> can I ask I you a, she um, was, you can know, ask you a quick question? Because I, when I was young kid, I used to famously lip sync to this song as well, actually. Same song. And it, the same exact song. And I wonder if what across the world, I was in America doing it, you were even doing it. Because I would only <laughs> sing the girl parts. Were you only singing the boy parts? Yeah, I think I was singing the boy parts. So during the girl parts, you're just kind of hanging out. I think, I, yeah, I'm just bopping. <laughs> That's what I was doing. As an ex-girlfriend would describe my dance. I hope that it was Quite synced unkindly. up at some point. I was singing the girl parts and you oh, were singing the boy Oh, and we were, parts. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and in your head, you thought one day <laughs> one there'll day. be a thing called a podcast <laughs> and I'll get him on it. <laughs> <laughs> well that is a very romantic story and it makes Thanks. sense because you've picked and remember Chantal doesn't know who they are yet it truly I mean I would describe them as a couple bittersweet <laughs> okay okay I just I have to say I it was oh an emotional trip down memory lane? It was an emotional trip down memory lane. Oh, I'm, I'm glad. I think I'm glad. I hope it wasn't a painful <laughs> trip down memory lane. I kind of hope it was. Those are the fun ones. <laughs> yeah. So, Chantel, beautiful, yeah. sweet Chantel, um, does not as yet know who we're even talking about. So, here are a few breadcrumbs to lead mm-hmm. her along the way. I can tell you that Max's couple got together. Oh, by the way, with everybody, there's a lot of... This was a little bit of War of the Roses story, so okay, I had to just okay. ta- I had to just sort of take a guess of yeah, the year they got together. Pick a so, year. So I get you. I just asked from our listeners compassion and understanding. Of if course, I've got, if I've got a few dates wrong, <laughs> okay. so 
I'm choosing 1977. Okay. That's the year this couple got together. Let's paint the scene. It's the year of the Jonestown uh, suicide slash murder. Yep. Uh, This first solo North Pole expedition. And Greece was the word on everybody's (laughs) lips and hips. (laughs) But that's not all that was happening because also in this year, which was a long time ago, in a galaxy not that far away. Okay, it's her. This princess <laughs> found 50 ways to leave her life. Okay, I was, is it fucking, oh my God, I'm, I've been so excited about this one. Is it Paul Simon? Oh my God, Paul Simon and Carrie Fisher. Paul Simon. Hey. Oh my God, this is, for any listeners who paid attention to our Instagram, which I'm sure you do, I did an amazing story about these two. All, I'm obs- I've been waiting for this one for so long. Thank you so oh, much, Max. Yes, this is going to be great. But it's been sweet. But oh, the photos of these two. Oh, they're amazing. I know. I, these two. I know. They were such a cool couple and everyone forgets. Oh. There's a black and white picture I was looking at today, presumably from like the early 80s. And they're both so, I guess, like, you know, ravaged by excess that their <laughs> cheekbones, you could like cut glass with their cheekbones. They, they look, look like just incredible. modern day, like hipsters walking through Clapton. That's what they look like. They look like they yeah. could just fit, drop them into Clapton right now and they'd be carrying a bottle of nighty wine and wearing they're just they're great oh my god this is amazing go for oh, it oh i'm so pleased I'm, I'm excited i'm excited okay so max when we say carrie fisher and paul simon what do we mean by carrie fisher and paul simon we were talking about crushes and, and obviously i i what i i couldn't say this because i i didn't want to give the game away but i mean i think in terms of crushes carrie fisher is just the kind of the ultimate Crush. The number one, sure. I was born in 1979, and I have so I kind of grew up on the whole sort of Star Wars thing, and so like Carrie Fisher to me is just the kind of well, she started off as the crush, you know, Princess Leia mm-hmm. in the Star Wars movies, but then as I got older and I kind of became obsessed with films in general and like stories of Hollywood, like she's pure Hollywood royalty. Mm-hmm. So then there's all the other stuff around Star Wars, which is just so amazing, and then. You know, I discovered what a great writer she is. You know, she wrote Postcards mm. from the Edge, which is such a good book. And um, Average I film. Yeah, I, I don't love... It's a weird film. Yeah, it's not it? a good it's film. Really it should be great. It's not great. Mm. Anyways, go on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it should right be better. Remake, it's got Meryl fucking Street, but all the pieces are there. It just doesn't seem to really work. Anyways. Yeah, it's so it's so weird. It, weirdly, I think it would be better as a TV series. I think. Totally. Especially now, you know, like on Amazon or Apple or something. Although Rita Wilson is a great little side character in it. Anyway, sorry. She <laughs> so is. She's in it and she's a great little side character. Amazing nails and just hold wonderful comedic performance. Like she was... Underrated actress, Rita Wilson. Anyway, sorry, yeah. we're sidetracking here. You haven't even mentioned Paul Simon yet. Have we, oh, I am, I, I am wondering, I'm wondering, knowing you as I do, and again, well. wouldn't would be a fool to make assumptions, but looking at their relationship, is there something like a wish fulfillment maybe? Because Carrie is this like, she's Princess Leia, where Paul Simon is this slightly intense, slightly <laughs> nerdy... <laughs> Oh, where is this he is going? He's our guest, Grania. Relax. <laughs> Be nice. Hadn't considered that, Grania, but obviously now that's something that I'll rake over for the probably for the, presumably for the rest of the year. But yeah, I think so. I think it, it, it's it's that classic story, isn't it? That you know you can you can fall in love with anybody as long as you're a multi-million. Wildly know, successful dollar, songwriter as well. Wildly successful, <laughs> really talented. voice of the generation songwriter. songwriter. You know, nerd. just a normal guy. <laughs> Literally. Okay, 
one people. of the greatest songwriters of the history of rock modern yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just exactly. like me. Yeah, sure. It could be, it could he be can do it. Anyone can. Yeah. But I loved him as well. Like The Graduate's one of my favorite films. And that was kind of like my introduction to Simon and Garfunkel. So after that, I kind of became quite obsessed. And also he's a good solo yeah. career. You know, Rarity. not everybody. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Not everybody goes off and... Like, I don't even think John Lennon had a great solo career. No arguments here. He kind of, you know... He, I think it's him and like Garfunkel. Peter Gabriel, the top two, probably. Oh, yeah. Right, well, be, really be sorry. <laughs> Before we get into Genesis, um, already <laughs> I The genesis the of this of relationship. <laughs> I am getting complaints from listeners. Texts are coming in saying... She always is. What the hell? Why aren't we discussing the horoscopes? Of course, of course. Of course. Absolutely. So, Carrie, October 21st. She's Libra. Mm. Go, Libra queen. Paul... October 13th, Libra King. Oh, Double Libra. Double Libra. Interesting. Okay, Ooh. I have no idea what that means. Me okay, Max, I'm going to need a percentage that their star signs gave them re their compatibility. What number is okay. two a Libras? Percentage. Yeah, what chance well, do they have? What chance do a couple of Libras have in this crazy world? I mean, I, like Libra is the, it's the, my mother's a Libra. It's the scales, isn't yeah. it? So you've got double scales and scales to me says balance. So I think, I think the, the percentage is going to be quite high. I'm going to go with, I'm going with 76%. 76% double strong, scales. strong number. Chantel? I feel like we've had double Libras before. This rings oh, a bell really? to me, the double balance. This sounds very familiar to me. So I feel like we've done this before and I feel like it wasn't good. Like there was too much goddamn balance. Something's got to happen. Something's got to give. <laughs> so I'm going to go like, I'm going to go like 15%. 15%. Well, I can tell you, according to their astrological charts, there is a stubbornness in Libra that isn't obvious at first glance. And if something could tear this couple apart, it is their need to stick to their convictions as if they are incapable to look at the bigger picture. They will sometimes shove their emotions under the rug only to mm. hold on to what they know. In order to stay together, two Libra partners need to turn off their brains and let go to their feelings. This is the only way for them to build intimacy or they will both resist it out of simple fear and lack of confidence. 50%. Ooh. So it could have gone either way. Literally, like, right like the bat, like the scales. The but scales. I feel like they're both two in their. They're both two in their heads, especially Carrie. I think Carrie's too in her head, too intellectual. Mm. Let her yeah. emotions lead the way. Mm. I think. I think Paul could do that. I don't think Carrie could do that. She's too. She's thinking too much. Yeah, I think. I think the man who wrote Bridge Over Troubled Water is probably very connected to his emotions. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas oh. Carrie Fisher is. I, I just picture her as the character in When Harry Met Sally. She says that all the time. Yeah. She's so amazing in that film. Like she's genuinely. What's the line she says when she's in the bookstore with Meg Ryan and she spots Billy Crystal spying on them and she says, "Someone's staring at you in personal growth." <laughs> <laughs> amazing stuff. It's a lovely. It's a lovely line. Yeah, she's great. In that. Okay, let's have a look at their emotional back catalogue before mm. they meet each other. Uh-oh. So we'll go to Paul first. Mm-hmm. So Paul grew up in Queens. His father was a really respected, classically trained museum. Or. Ugh, was a <laughs> Really respected. His father was a museum. Free to enter. Yeah, I remember, you know, yeah. It was a, a really respected, classically, classically trained musician <laughs> and band leader. And basically, he, his whole life, no matter at every stage of his success, so Simon and Garfunkel, 
his successful uh, Paul Simon, Greaseland, at every single stage of his success, his dad kept saying to him, you're wasting your life. You should be a teacher. <laughs> I like his dad. I like old man Simon. Oh, my God. I'm into oh him. That's that a New the... York father. That's what you yeah, mean. yeah. And that never stopped. It wasn't it like he, he became stopped. famous and they, they left him alone. No, he was like, what is this? You want, you're a rock star. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Grammys don't pay bills, Paul. <laughs> he was like, if you're not a teacher, if you're not passing on your knowledge to other people, your life is pointless. But he life. did pass on his life. He passed on the knowledge of how to pull an incredible, smoking hot, cerebral, intellectual mm. actress slash writer. That's what we all learn. I know, but you know, you need to, you need to remind, enough. you need to remind Paul that you need uh, tenureship. <laughs> Get one of them jackets with the patches on the elbows, kid. So he says for life. He was desperate. He was desperate to impress his dad and his dad just was never really that impressed with his life choices and um, we get i don't know we get a lot of this on our podcast of yeah. boys who were desperate to like impress their dad and how awful it is i gotta say the more i hear about it the more i think dads are doing the right thing by never letting their oh, kids be impressed because it seems yeah. to lead to greatness almost every time <laughs> seems yeah. to really work out that's a really good point actually yeah, yeah you don't want you don't want to don't praise your kids yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he grew up wanting to please his dad and he was also really self-conscious about his height and his mm. appearance he's always a short king and he always was like i'm not good looking enough i'm not tall enough and he really wanted to be like a really good singer and he always was like my voice is okay but it's not that good mm-hmm. right yeah but growing up around the corner from him was a little boy called art garfunkel he's tall very tall. tall. He's got this face and hair of an angel. Face, yeah. And he can sing. The hair of an angel. The does hair an angel. of an angel. So forehead of an angel as well. <laughs> I think the forehead of several angels. Yeah. All clumped together. It's more of a seven head. So they start they start their friends from the age of ten. And but they always have a very, let's say, tempestuous relationship. Now listen, mm-hmm. this is There'll be another bit where I'll say we do not have time to discuss this. So let's just say Simon and Artie have a complicated relationship and let's leave it at that. Okay. Um, okay. He, I mean, technically, you could have another podcast about... About Does just, it have to be... Like, do, does it always have to be romantic breakups? We have, you have, like... We have thought about this. We yeah, have maybe 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 if a Patreon comes along, we'll be doing a lot of yeah. just friendship artistic breakups and then yeah, Grania yeah, can yeah. come back to this. So he... This is just a quote from... That gives us a flavour of their relationship. Paul Simon says, I remember during a photo session, Artie said... No matter what happens, I'll always be taller than you. <laughs> I mean, it's a good line. That's that's very mommy dearest. No matter what happens, I'll always be faster. That's really, oh my what god! A, what a thing! He's just surrounded by um, very unsupportive men. So far, <laughs> yeah, he's got a type. And then, when you say Paul Simon says, do we then have to do whatever Paul Simon <laughs> says we have to do? Yeah. Is that the and then he was asked, did that hurt? And Paul Simon said, I guess it hurt enough for me to remember 60 years later. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Great lines. You can tell these are two good writers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so this is just a look at his sort of romantic uh, back catalogue. So his first serious girlfriend was, so just before Simon and Garfunkel became like really, really big, he came over to London 
in the mid-60s and was getting like quite well known on the folk scene here. He met and fell in love with a Welsh singer. And apparently she was really beautiful and really ethereal and he was mad about this Welsh girl. But then they found out Bridge Over Troubled Water was massive. So he flew back to America but said to her, I love you, we're going to get married, I'm going to come back. Spoiler alert, he never comes back. But he never, he never forgets this Welsh girl. And then what happened was apparently whenever he was on tour in the UK and if he was depressed, he would just... (laughs) start talking about her on stage and say does anybody know this girl and then everybody would think he was doing a bit but he would be like no seriously this is her name and this is where I think she lives like does anybody know who where she is and he would do it so much that the press got hold hold of it and it became this fine Paul Simon's ex-Welsh girlfriend and then during one really down period in his time he actually went to Wales and just turned up on her doorstep and was like, hi, I went out with you in the 60s. <laughs> Which is the easier way of, that's much easier than just asking randomly on asking crowds of people if they know who she is. But people in America as well. I presume she said, hi, nice to see you. I don't know who you are anymore. What, I think, what was her reaction? I, they, I think they just like had a chat and then... Oh, that that's for a chat? Oh, my God. I, I, my hope is that standing behind her in the house was Tom Jones. <laughs> and that she had, she had married Tom Jones. You're late, pal. Tall, gorgeous. Hunker, hunker, burn in love, Tom Jones. Tom Jones. <laughs> Tall and with hair once again. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So then during sort of the height of Simon and Garfunkel, he gets married to Peggy Harper, who was the ex-wife of Simon and Garfunkel's former manager. Oh, I see. Mm. Okay, it's incestuous. Why really- does that happen so much? In like yeah, I know. Stuff? It's like uh, George Harrison and Eric Clapton we've both done, went out with Patty We've Boyd, done an episode on them on Patty Have Boyd. you? Oh, yeah, well, I'll have to go it's a good one. Listen. Yeah. So apparently she was like really lovely and really sweet and but she loved the quiet life and she found it difficult because Paul in the 70s was like, whoa, I want to yeah, enjoy yeah. New York, baby. And she just really wanted to stay at home. So they had a child together and then they had a very... <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what you do when you're massively incompatible. Yeah, we have nothing in common. Let's have a kid. <laughs> Sounds yeah. great. You know what they love at Studio 54? A toddler. <laughs> Ask Drew Barrymore, she knows. <laughs> <laughs> so they had a very amicable divorce. They stayed really close and he basically just like moved down the road 
If that road is Central Park, he just moved <laughs> Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. Woody Mia. Okay. So there, this is the 70s. So Paul Simon is dating. And Ooh, some of the, the ladies who he was attached to at this period in his life, Bette Midler, Shelley Duvall, who oh, we'll come back to, and Gilda Ratner. Oh, really? Ben yeah. and Gildies. He's after the the funny schnazzy guy. I was going like to say him. he and and he likes he likes an actress. He likes a it? New York com- comedic broad. Yeah. I like it. And I'm this... glad he didn't end up with Gilda though. I'm glad that she ended up with Gene Wilder. That's yeah. a good. That made a lot more. That made a lot more sense. Yeah. Uh, but this is just to give you a, a sense. I I read it and I thought this really gives a sense of like what Paul Simon must have been like on a day-to-day basis. I think it was somebody who was on tour with him said that Simon and Garfunkel had just finished this like amazing concert, sold out, multiple standing ovations, like a, a creative and financial highlight of their career. He gets off stage. He's heading to the after party. He spots a cleaner tidying up who's like, his dad's age, like an older gentleman who's working as a cleaner, and then is so depressed by this sight that he heads back to his dressing room. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it ruins his night. He's like, I what, can't. what do you think is depressed him? The idea that there are cleaners, or or and- that this guy must have maybe this guy told him off for not being a teacher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this reminds me of his dad. Meanwhile. Across the 50 states of America, from sea to shining sea, he's New York, she's California, baby. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to Carrie Fisher's childhood. I will not be taking any questions about this. I have a lot to get through. Carrie Fisher's childhood is at least two, maybe three, the way they were episodes. So I'm going to just, this is a whistle stop tour. Carrie Fisher was two years old when her parents divorced. So famously, Debbie Fisher, or Debbie Reynolds was with Eddie Fisher. Then Eddie Fisher leaves her for Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, Carrie blamed herself for her father leaving. She thought she wasn't lovable enough. Eddie Fisher... She wasn't a teacher. (laughs) He wasn't a teacher. Eddie uh, goes on to marry three more times after marrying Elizabeth Taylor. Then her mother remarries again. Her first stepdad stole all her mother's money. Then her second stepdad, Debbie, became convinced was trying to kill her and also stole all her money. Uh, This was the same (laughs) stepdad that Debbie also suggested that Carrie should have a child with because he had really beautiful eyes and she thought that if if they had a child together, it would be like a really beautiful baby and Carrie said it was really annoying because her mother would always suggest this when she was driving and she (laughs) found it really distracting and her mother once bought her a vibrator as a Christmas present that's just progressive I now know why you said I won't be taking any questions because I already have about 70 (laughs) questions yeah 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 yeah. and and she's what like 10 yeah Uh, but ironically and this is a little bit foreshadowing when she joined her mother's show with her brother the two of them used to sing together on stage bridge over troubled water <gasps> meant to be really thus ends carrie fisher's childhood done easy no questions nice and very no- very normal yeah very normal yeah so uh, her first boyfriend she met backstage at a show her mother was working on uh, she said they used to just kiss backstage all the time and then when her mother found out about this and she was about 15. She said, if you want to have sex with him, 
If you like, I'll watch and I can give you instructions. <laughs> okay, I mean, yeah. Yeah, helpful? Yes, <laughs> nice. I mean, I guess. I bet you didn't mean it. I mean, I'm trying to make that not seem as creepy as it does just on the outset, but it's tough. Okay. Debbie, did she take her up on the offer? Debbie was a trooper. <laughs> she was a trooper. Okay, so now we're Debbie going knows. to put Paul and Carrie in the same room together. Mm-hmm. So yes, please. They meet in 1976 while Shelley Duvall was dating Paul Simon. Oh. They've got vibes. They've got vibes. But nothing can happen because Carrie Fisher is moving to London to make a little film called Star Wars. Okay. Uh oh. So that's not the biggest problem little Paul Simon faces for getting Carrie Fisher's attention. The main problem is she's going to be she's going to meet on that set a little gentleman called Harrison Ford. Oh, of course. Uh, tall, tall and with hair hair gorgeous so Carrie and Harrison Ford have this intense mm. like thing on the set of Star Wars he's her first like proper sexual relationship she is crazy about him he's married but she's really young it's very complicated even years later she feels very like confused about it but mm-hmm. she was like happy about it it was it was a lot. Paul Simon, 1977. What has he got when you've got up against Harrison Ford, 1977? Come on. What has anyone got? I, th- I think having sex with Harrison Ford is, could potentially be the worst thing to happen to a person. Because what, where do you go Where from do you there? go? Where do you go? What, what, how do you ever enjoy life again after that? You're Tom done. Selleck? Just an idea. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like the se- he's like your second choice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, 1978, Carrie is back in New York City. She is oh, now yeah. famous. She's the star of Star Wars. November 18th, she is hosting a little show called Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Oh, who is best friends with the producer of Saturday Night Live? Paul Simon. Paul Simon. Paul, Paul Simon. Simon. Of course he is. He's a New York guy. He knows everybody. He's on the scene. He's moving and shaking. So after hosting Saturday Night Live, they carry and Paul Simon head off to Studio 54. Where else do you go? It's Studio it's 54. It's New York in the 70s. It's 1978. The SNL cast are there. Paul Simon is dancing on the dance floor. <laughs> Carrie is 21. Paul Simon is 36. They oh, are wow. in Really? Love. Okay, that was a wrinkle. <laughs> They're in love, baby. He, looks, he always looks like a little boy, so it's hard to gauge his age, doesn't isn't it? Yeah, he and he also but he's he also looks always 45 as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He yeah, looks yeah, both yeah. things at once. He's timeless. Yeah. You see, it, this is a very interesting period in Paul Simon's life because mm-hmm. he's thinking, he's trying to break into acting. Oh, right. Okay. So I cannot remember the name of it, but he brings out this, he's in this film that he, I think he wrote, he definitely produced, he starred in. So he's kind of on the edge. He's friends with Lauren Michaels. He's on the edge of that Hollywood scene. He's appeared mm-hmm. in Annie Hall. He's thinking. He is in it, famously in Annie Famously, Hall, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he's thinking, I want, maybe I want to get into acting and look. Carrie Fisher is like the hottest chick in Hollywood. 
Like he oh. tried Shelley Duvall, but step up from that, Carrie Fisher, big time. Poor yeah. Shelley Duvall, though. I, I know. Mean, it's just that girl can't catch a break. It's either this or being chased around a house by Jack Nicholson. Just generally poor Shelley Duvall in general. So this is, once they saw each other, nobody else mattered to either of them. Carrie added velocity to Paul's life, a kind of wild energy that often set him alight and sometimes made him scream. (laughs) Classic Virgos. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And then she said that basically her dad was a short Jewish singer and that's why she was attracted to Paul. Right. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, This is what Carrie says about Paul. Years ago, there were tribes that roamed the earth and every tribe had a magic person. Well, now, as you know, all the tribes have dispersed. But every so often you meet a magic person and every so often you meet someone from your tribe, which is how I felt when I met Paul Simon. Wow, that's big words. We understood each other perfectly. Oh, well, oh, well, well, I say. She could write. But very sadly, she's also doing a lot of drugs at this moment. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I wonder when that was going to come into this. Yeah. 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 So they have a very chaotic on-off relationship. So in 1980, mid-breakup from Paul Simon, who mm-hmm. very briefly enters the picture. Oh, is it? For, um, this is Dan Aykroyd. It's this Dan, is Dan Aykroyd. Aykroyd. It's yeah. Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd, yeah. The one that got away. So she was on the set of Blues Brothers. She Mm -hmm. said, I inhaled a Brussels sprout and I started choking. He thought I was laughing and then he saw that I was dying and he did the Heimlich manoeuvre. And then like 10 minutes later, he asked me to marry him. And I thought, (laughs) I'd better marry him because what if this happens again? (laughs) Is a Brussels sprout like code for for cocaine? (laughs) That's what I'm wondering. (laughs) Or or are we talking the actual vegetable that nobody ever eats except for Christmas? Either way, Dan Aykroyd's tall and with hair once again. So, Paul's oh my hot. goodness, he's very tall, really tall. Yeah. yeah, that's such a good point. Closer to all those aliens he believes in, well, <laughs> which I love about him. So, big fan, big fan. So, Carrie said we had rings, we got blood tests, the whole shot. But then I got back together with Paul Simon, <laughs> just oh, like that. No. Just like, just like. Why? Why do they people get blood tests in America? I didn't know. To, I have no idea. I have heard this, this before. Is it to sort of make sure you're really? not like related or something? I think. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I've never heard of anyone having to get a blood test before getting married. I, I'm, yeah. I'm unaware. I didn't get a blood test before I got married, and now yeah, I, I'm worried. And I, I hate to break it to you guys, but in terms of like incest, y'all are really good at it, <laughs> way more than us. So if anyone should be doing it for that, it's y'all. Exactly. Yeah. So Max, I think this is an appropriate time. It's the early eighties. Paul Simon and Carrie Fisher. Yes, he broke up with Shelley Duvall to be with her. She briefly went out Dan Aykroyd, but now they are back together. They're popping. It's New York City. Bring, bring, Max Davis. Oh, lovely. Phone call. It's Carrie and Paul. They're they're out in the town tonight. They want you to come out with them. What do you imagine? A night out with Carrie and Paul in their pomp being like. All right. Well, I think we've got to go back to Studio 54. In fact, no, I think we finished the night at Studio yeah. 54. I think we're going to start, we're going to go out, we're going to go to, uh, we're going to go to Elaine's. Oh, the, the famous oh, people, the movie star restaurant, Woody Allen on one table, mm-hmm. Michael Caine on the other, mm. Mick Jagger's over there somewhere. We're going to eat mm-hmm. some delicious 
we're going to eat some delicious food. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we're going to talk, you know, we're in New York in the 80s, we're going to talk about art, we're going to talk mm-hmm. about literature, yeah. um, there's rats everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it's very dangerous New York in the 80s, isn't it? So we're going to be talking about, you know, the mayor and how he's like, fucking everything up yeah um, who's the president I feel like we'll complain about the president it's, it's Reagan. Reagan oh my god okay so we're also we're also going to talk about how terrible Reagan is of course yeah. um, and we're not what's the dynamic anything. sorry what's the dynamic between between the two of them between Carrie and between Paul? well I'm flirting outrageously with Carrie <laughs> throughout the meal so that's that has caused some tension Pointing out your height and hair frequently. Yeah, exactly. Into conversation. And, and, and lying about the fact that I teach elementary school, which I do not, but I know it gets under his skin. So, um, but she keeps going to the toilet. And because I'm such a downy innocent, I, uh, I assume that she's having some sort of toilet-related issue. I don't realise that she's, she's nipping off to do massive lines of Brussels sprouts. So. And do you think Paul, is Paul commenting on her going to the toilet? Is he just like rolling his eyes or getting annoyed? Yeah, he's furious. He's, he said she keeps going to the toilet. And I said, yeah, she carries on going to the toilet. We're going to have to get a cleaner in there. And then he has a flashback. <laughs> to that cleaner that he saw after a gig and and he starts crying so now everyone's it's, it's a disaster we did a it's, and it's only like eight o'clock in the evening so it's all it's a complete disaster and point, you suggest you know. 54 guys should we, yeah, should we go I mean, guys should we go should we go to 54 but nobody wants to go to 54 anymore so we now we have to come up with a new we've got to come up with a new plan i think we're going to see a broadway show oh okay. that's gonna that's going to cheer everybody up. I don't know what the big show was in 1980. I don't know. It's always Cats. Just, yeah. just go with Cats. Cats. Cats is on all the time. We go Cats and see is evergreen. Cats. And I imagine if you go to a musical, Carrie, she's like taking the piss out of it. Yeah. Maybe like really she's loudly. She's smoking all the way through. Yeah. Mm. yeah, she won't share her wine gums with anyone. She's a real, she's a renegade. She's completely out of control. But I'm having the time of my life because I'm in the middle. I've got, <laughs> I've got Fisher on one side. I've got Simon on the other. According to this little sojourn with them, they seem like they're a pretty good together couple. Not a lot of arguing happening. They seem no, happy in your mind. They seem de- they seem delightful. They seem great. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Maybe so you I've, think maybe these I've were... caught them in an imperial phase of their <laughs> a rare imperial phase of their relationship. One can dream. And how do you see the night ending? So you've left cats. Are you are you gonna... okay? So we've left we've left cats. Cats is over. We've left early because yeah. Carrie is Carrie has been Carrie has been heckling the cats <laughs> yeah. in the second half. <laughs> And and smoking and and the the staff have thrown her out, so we've 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 gone we've gone with it. and Paul is furious. He's 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 because he's a music guy and they all see him there. So he's he's never been thrown out of a musical performance in his life. He's absolutely livid. And I think they have a huge they have a huge fight right in the middle of Broadway, right in the middle of Times Square. Oh, God, right and there. I'm kind of trying to I'm trying to sort of referee it, but but I want them to I want them to fight. <laughs> Uh, and I think Paul storms. Paul storms off. He's absolutely furious. So he leaves. He leaves. Um, he leaves fifty. He comes back. He storms off again. He does that fifty times. And um, and Carrie is now. She's absolutely. She's absolutely devastated. And so uh, we walk the streets of New York, the the midnight streets of New York, while I try and cheer her up. I think that's a, a very accurate depiction description of what, of, of what they're what their, their dynamic dynamic was and um, i think so this is a, a really i just love this detail carrie during this period was best friends with penny marshall and oh, oh god I'm so she know those two so oh, she penny marshall penny marshall when she split up with rob reiner carrie set her up with art garfunkel and they used to go on double dates 
with <sighs> Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. God. Incredible. With Penny and Carrie. Oh, that's a podcast waiting to happen. That's Those exactly. And yet, ironically, it was Rob, Rob Reiner directed When Harry Met Sally. Exactly. Which, as discussed, is one of the great And has the double Carrie dates. And, God, it's so all... He's, that means he's a good guy. He's not, he's not bitter yeah. at all, which is nice. So in 1983, when Fisher and Sybil were on the brink of another split, they decide to get married instead. Of course. Oh. So he proposes to her at a New York Yankees game. And oh, just, excellent. Just to give you a little sort of like where Carrie's head was at at that moment in time. Just a few weeks prior to that, Carrie's psychiatrist had suggested she probably was bipolar. So she reacted by just stopping seeing her doctor. Perfect. That's what you do. Very normal. Very good. If you don't like what they're saying, stop listening. Yeah. Don't get a second opinion. <laughs> That's right. Get no opinions. <laughs> uh, so they get, he proposed a New York Yan- Yankee game and then the wedding pl- takes Places <laughs> at Simon Central Park duplex. Oh, brilliant stuff! Ooh, a Central Park duplex. Oh I my mean, god! I seem to recall she had a really lovely dress as well. I'm sure there's a picture of it. A really lovely, like white, simple. So it's gorgeous. I mean, she, as as you said at the beginning, she was. They were both so thin throughout this. They just looked great and everything. Both thin, both gorgeous. Cheek He's bulges. so small that he he was actually his own cake decoration. They put him <laughs> Cake in his little so some of the guests at the wedding include Randy oh. Newman, Lord Michaels, of course. Of course. Of course. Gets everywhere, that guy. <laughs> George Lucas, Kev- yeah. Kevin Klein, Terry Garr, Christy oh. Brinkley and Billy Joel. Oh, oh who's what who? A, what, a, what a crew. What a Absolutely. crew. Terry oh. Garr, by the way, is... A phenomenally underrated actress. Terry so under, absolutely oh, great, incredible. Watch it. Watch After Hours just for her alone. Mm. Just incredible. After Hours, Tootsie. She's amazing Tootsie. in Tootsie. Oh. She's, People forget um, about she's Terry. Phoebe's mum in Friends. She's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, in an interview at the time, Carrie said, "Let's just say we've had a stormy romance, and the storm's finally over." Oh, I mean that's still kind of a weird thing to say. <laughs> Just bring up the negative aspects immediately. <laughs> it's been a nightmare, but the nightmare is over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did anyone even ask her? Was she just, just offering this information out in the middle of her own wedding? It's been hell, but it's better now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Weird vows, Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> so for their honeymoon, they go to Jerusalem, where they meet up with Carrie's teenage crush, Paul, and Carrie's teenage crush immediately row and argue with each other. Do not get on. Carrie Mm. loves this. Heavy place. She loves it. Of course she does. Of course she does. Love drama. I'm team Paul in that situation. (laughs) Like, why on earth would you, on your honeymoon... On your honeymoon. Meet up with an ex-boyfriend. I mean, Hawaii was right there. It was right right there, there. guys. (laughs) (laughs) Look what happened in Jerusalem. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie says... I was good for material, but when it came to day-to-day living, I was more than he could take. We once had a fight on our honeymoon where I said, not only do I not like you, I don't like you personally. (laughs) (laughs) There's no comeback to that. Oh, boy. She said, we tried to keep the argument going after that, but we were laughing too hard. (laughs) Well, that's a good sign. So there's fun. They're having a good time. Ups and downs. So Paul released a song about his wife in 1983 called Hearts and Bones with the lyrics. Two people were married. The act was outrageous. The bride was contagious. 
Great lovely, song, Hearts and Bones. So he releases that song in 1983. What happens in 1984? Carrie and Paul get divorced. Oh, short-lived. Always the way. So again, I'm trying to piece together because it's a, such a small period of time. Just the mm-hmm. timeline is a little bit confusing. So I would just, this is the facts that I've been able to um to get together. So in 1984, he's, uh, Paul Simon said in an interview, most people look at me and wonder, how could this guy be depressed? And I now feel that people were seeing a more accurate picture of me than I was. I eventually realised, Jesus, all I've been looking at is this thin slice of pie that has got the bad news in it. And I've been disregarding the rest of the picture. Okay. And Did then, he mean that no she was a thin of slice of pie? No, I think he, he was like... <laughs> she the pie? <laughs> She was thin. Well, she was very thin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And probably didn't eat any pie. He said, being short, not having a voice that you want, not looking the way you want, having a bad relationship, some of that is real. And if you start to roll it all together, that's all you focus on. So he's trying to look on more positive aspects of his life now instead of just thinking about all the things he hasn't got. About fucking time, Paul. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, you're pretty, yeah, yeah. pretty rich and famous by this point. You've so just worked you, it out. You have a duplex in the middle of New York. In the I middle mean, of Central Park. It yeah. doesn't matter what else. That's all you've got. <laughs> that's, that's all you need. You've made it. At 1985, so a year after the divorce, Carrie mm-hmm. overdoses, goes into rehab. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah him. Then she gets back together with him after rehab. That's always what they recommend you do. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're like, make sure you leave and relapse. <laughs> Get straight back to what you were doing before. Yeah, whatever, whatever brought you here, keep doing it. <laughs> and basically, and it's funny what you were saying about Postcards from the Edge maybe not being a great film, is I didn't realise basically the book comes out and like a year later, it's a film. Yeah, mm. it's really fast. Yeah, yeah. So she starts flying all the back and forth because Paul Simon's in New York and they've just got back together she's just got out of rehab and now she's flying back and forth all the time to LA because they're making postcards from the Mm -hmm. edge and that puts like a real strain on their relationship Mm. she said uh, he drove her to the airport and they were fighting and then she said you'll feel really bad if I crash and then he said maybe not (gasps) Ice cold. I'm on Team Paul here. When someone does the old threatened suicide thing, call their bluff. <laughs> That's what I say. Yeah, yeah. Mind you, if they've just left rehab, maybe don't. <laughs> also, when you say threatened suicide, is she? Is, are you suggesting that she's going to break into the cockpit of the aeroplane <laughs> and, and fly it into a do, mountain? If anyone could get a plane to crash, Carrie Fisher could do it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think she could just, with her acerbic wit, I think yeah. she could convince the pilot to... To crash the plane himself. <laughs> As a jape. As a jape. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Mike Nichols weighed in on their relationship and he said the problem with Carrie Fish and Paul Simon was there was two flowers and no gardener. Ooh. Ooh. Well, there you go. Great line, Mike. Which is pretty damning. But they carry on. Basically, they cannot leave each other alone. Mm-hmm. So they carry on back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until they finally break up in 1990. Oh my God. Five more years 1990. of this. What the heck? Bloody hell. So it was a decade of these two. Oh God, imagine being her friend. Penny Marshall must have been like, sweetheart, enough already with this Paul. I know. <laughs> 1990? I had no idea. 
So this is what finally ends this relationship. Paul is really big into South American drumming during this period. Mm -hmm. He's been hearing things. He's like, South American drumming. I need to get me some of that for my next album. Yeah. So him and Carrie travel down to South America. They go in a little boat down the Amazon and they decide they're going to do ayahuasca together. Always a good idea. (laughs) Recommend. 10 out of 10. Bring together your two passions, South American culture and hard drugs. (laughs) Yeah. What can go wrong? Yeah, exactly. The person who's in charge of this. (laughs) The shaman. The shaman. The shaman. You know, it says to, to carry him and Paul. Okay, so this is, you know, very intense ritual where you like get in touch with your, your inner child and get wisdom mm-hmm. from the universe. And this is a very sacred, serious thing you're going to experience. Mm-hmm. What is it that you want to learn from this? And Carrie said that the witch doctor, the, the shaman looked at her and like immediately was like, okay, no, it's, it's really obvious what you're here to work through as in like is this is this brick is and, this guy yeah and then the the shaman says to paul simon what are you here looking to work through and paul simon says i've got a really bad elbow good for you paul and the apparently the shaman was like i hate this person i hate <laughs> this person so then they go on this trip and i don't know what happens to paul simon's elbow maybe it was fixed but carrie just has this profound experience of being pinned underneath paul simon's ever spinning ever controlling brain and she's visualized like this giant toad on top of her like squashing her down and she said as soon as the trip ended like that was it the relationship, done, done, the relationship was done. So if you're in a problematic relationship where it's a bit troubled and you're not sure what to do, just go to South America and do some ayahuasca and you'll, you'll sort it out. And you might get your elbow fixed. And, winner, winner. Uh, yeah. And, but was it, was it a real toad? <laughs> I'm just starting to... Because it's South, they have got big toads in South America. <laughs> they do have the just big somehow toads. got high and somehow got under a toad. That could have just been what happened. And then... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No matter how many times Paul told her. I've never done ayahuasca, but I'm told it's a lot of puking. Yeah, Yeah. there is a lot of that. So uh, Paul says, we still care very much for each other. There is nobody else like Carrie. She's got one of the fastest, funniest minds I know. She's absolutely unique. There is no animosity. Well done. Well, that's cute. That sounds like a guy who's got two working elbows again. (laughs) Exactly, it does. His heart is broken. His elbow is fixed. (laughs) So, Max... Carrie Fisher, Paul Simon, what went wrong? Why couldn't they make it work? Well, I mean, it feels like you've got these two, you know, these two big brains, very, very kind of neurotic people, you know, kind of all, because you're right, I am a bit like that as well. And the trouble is, is that you're so kind of obsessed with all your own shit that is there room for another person in your life? Mm. Or maybe it's just the fact that one of them was doing absolute loads and loads of class a drugs yeah mountains yeah. mountains of not cocaine to, not to blame her like was he a drug guy Were he smoked you know he smoked weed but that was it a little a li- he smoked a little weed he probably he tried some of the hard stuff you know he's, mm. you can't 
you can't live in New York in the late seventies and not, and not have tried. at least given it a shot. But yeah, he yeah. certainly wasn't as into it as she was. Yeah, yeah. But I don't want to blame her for it. Do I you think, think they were too similar? In a weird way. He sounds... Well, okay, he sounds like a sad sack. I mean, mm. I think what would bum me out if I was going out with Paul Simon is I'd be like, could you be a little bit happier because <laughs> you are Paul Simon? It's <laughs> Grony, it's the Alan Rickman thing. We talked about mm-hmm. this. We both just read Alan Rickman's diaries. Mm-hmm. And Alan Rickman ha- had objectively a very nice life, but he just couldn't seem to derive any pleasure from it. And yeah. I'm kind of getting some serious Rickman vibes mm-hmm. from, from Paul Simon here, you know. Or maybe there's just nobody good enough for Carrie Fisher. There's that as well. I, it does, I mean, they gave it a hell of a shot. I think she just, because her childhood was so much trauma, I think she just had to, like, fight for her sanity. And maybe yeah. she just, after a while, just couldn't deal with them anymore. Well, what's really interesting is she, obviously, they broke up, they got back together, mm. they got married, they got divorced, broke up, got back together. Her dad left her mum for Elizabeth Taylor, who's like the proto yeah. person who was constantly boomeranging in the same relationship with Richard mm. Burton. So I don't know, maybe she kind of, did she there's pick some, up some of that vibe? Mm, you know? There's some cosmic alliance there, definitely. Yeah, exactly. This person who I, I, I seem to recall she... You know, obviously, had a lot of like anger towards. She can't. I think she pushed her into a swimming pool. Sure so, but it was like a bonding thing. So it was. She said, <laughs> she kept going to like award ceremonies and different like charity events, and Liz Taylor would be there. But she said right. she didn't actually know her, so she started making jokes about her stepmom, Liz Taylor. Oh, really? And then apparently, Liz found out about the joke she was making and was like, "Carrie, we need to meet." So. <laughs> Liz invited her around to the house and Liz was like in sunglasses and a big, you know, hash. Caftan. And just was like, I like Liz was like, I've done nothing wrong. I don't know what your problem is. And then as I don't know who suggested it. I think it was Liz said to her or maybe Carrie said to her, push me into the pool. So Liz pushed Carrie into the pool. And then everybody was just like, oh, my God. And then. Liz pulled her out, put a towel around her, and then they were like best friends. And in oh, that moment, they freaky Fridayed, and it's <laughs> actually Liz in Carrie's body boomeranging this Paul Simon relationship, <laughs> which Carrie does make sense. Became friends with Michael Jackson. That is- <laughs> that's my new theory. That's the that's my final choice. <laughs> so now we come to the big question: this whole podcast is built on in every splish there's a winner there's a loser there's a thriver and there's a survivor so in the great splish of paul simon and carrie fisher who do you think thrived and who merely survived who won the splish and we're dating the split. It's like the final split. We're well, no, we can take so basically afterwards carrie marries um marries again her husband turns out he's gay. He leaves her <sighs> a year into the relationship, but she Speaking has... Speaking of Liz Taylor. <laughs> See? <laughs> Freaky Friday. <laughs> but she has a, a, a child, Billy Lord, and then Paul... Mm-hmm. Let me get this right. Who, by the way, is amazing in Booksmart. Have you guys seen Booksmart? Mm-hmm, yeah. She's great in Booksmart. She is great Billy in Lord's it. Great. Uh, Paul Simon marries Edie Brickle. Yeah, Edie Brickle. You know who Edie Brickle is. Who's Edie Brickle? She's a singer. Is she? Isn't she, isn't she the singer that does... <gasps> is she okay, a Welsh singer? What I am is yeah. what I am are you, what you are or what. I'm that's a great sure song. That's, yeah, that's Edie Brickle, yeah. Okay, do you want to hear okay. weird? Guess where he meets Edie Brickle for the first time. 
Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live. No. <laughs> Amazing. Of course he does. It's Paul that's, Simon's that's his Tinder. It's his Tinder. <laughs> it's that's why he's Tinder. hosted so many times. <laughs> so they end up having three children together. Ten- wow. My God. That's a, are they still, that's are they still together? They're still together. Wow. Okay, I did not know awesome. that. That's great. Good for them. Imagine those, those two just sitting around writing songs. I love it. I feel like Carrie Fisher is, is a survivor. Like if you think of like all of the stuff or was I should say like Carrie Fisher like she survived this tumultuous Hollywood um, childhood with the Liz Taylor stuff and the vibrator and the crazy Debbie Reynolds mother and then she had to go through the whole Star Wars meat grinder and and all the drugs and and the relationship with Paul Simon and I and maybe not is it fair to say maybe not getting the roles that she probably deserved Mm, but then pivoting and becoming a great writer and, and mm-hmm. punching up scripts, you know, she was a she was a script doctor for like Sister Act and Hook and you know all the uh, the Wedding Singer. So I feel like she was a survivor, and her surviving was thriving. Okay, know? like there but, was no period. But <laughs> it's binary. What do you mean? Either there's a winner and there's a loser. You can't say. Oh, oh she's a I loser, see. But she, she can't be and... surviving and thriving. No. Okay, well then I'm still going with Carrie is the thriver because okay. then every like sort of era, I would say post 1990, mm. go on YouTube. There's not a bad Carrie Fisher interview. I mean, mm, even right true. to the end, I was watching one on YouTube today where she was promoting the Star Wars movies and she's hilarious. Like mm. she brings her dog and she makes, she, they ask her a question and she refer, she defers to the dog. She's kind of <laughs> screwing with the, with the woman, this, this very young, very beautiful, thin interview her, but it, but it's, she's not being mean either. Mm-hmm, she's kind mm-hmm. of, she's just a delight. She's like Hollywood royalty. So Fisher is a pure thriver. Whereas like, I can't think of a Paul Simon album post. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, this is one of the few couples we've had where you could kind of make an argument for either one of them. Mm. Oh, being the third, well, the, 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 it five. ended pretty amicably. It ended pretty well. I still, it's it's a tough one to call. Just, I mean, I'll let you have Carrie Fisher. I think Carrie Fisher thrived because I think her sheer lust for life and her aggressive determination to make the best of whatever life throws at her. She's not. Heading back to the dressing room and not going to the party because she got bummed out True. by seeing, you know, somebody tidying up. She is heading to that party. Yeah, and she's yeah, bringing yeah. the cleaner with her. Yeah. Exactly. She's showing the cleaner a yeah. good night. Yeah. I think she did make Paul Simon stop. I think she did have him learn a lesson. Because if you mentioned all the women he was dating before her, they were all these kind of funny, larger than life broads. And she seemed to be the last one that he was like, okay, I'll just give up on that type. I'm going to have a nice yeah. folk singer girl just like me and we can have our kids together in the countryside. Mm. So he did at least learn a lesson from her, but yeah. it, I guess he didn't thrive the way that, that she did. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's, he's definitely surviving. And like, yeah. he, he seems to be relatively scandal free. Like, yeah, oh, one yeah, of the few yeah, he singers does. of the era that doesn't appear to have been me too. Not yet, anyway. Yeah, no, so. I think he's, he's pretty safe. He's pretty clean. Touch yeah. And I'll, yeah. I'll leave on the uh, end of this. My favorite bit that I read about Paul Simon was that he was interviewed and I think it was like in three years he had written two songs <laughs> and they asked him, or were you just like doing other stuff? And he was like, no, for these past three years, I've been working nonstop on those two songs. 
<laughs> I mean, in his defense, he pushed out a lot in the 70s. <laughs> he really, he, he did a lot in a short, short amount of time. Give the guy a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Body uh, of work-wise. Exactly. It's, it's amazing. Maxie, we've got one final question for you. Ooh, okay. We do have one final question for Nothing to do with these two. But there's a woman out there that we are desperately trying to find someone on her level, much like Carrie Fisher. We don't think she's ever been with someone that quite matches up to her. So put your thinking cap on, Max, and let us know if you can think of someone who can match up to the one, the only, Cher. The icon. The icon. icon. Um, Patron saint of this here podcast. So it's a funny thing. So I... When I was a kid, like I said, I grew up in the in the in the eighties and the nineties, and mm-hmm. in in our house we had like maybe seven VHS like movies on VHS, and so you would watch them constantly. But it meant sure. that you would also watch the same trailers over and over again for years and years. And when I was a kid, there was a trailer for The Witches of Eastwick mm. on one of our VHSs, and at the end of the movie, at the end of the trailer, when they're like saying who's in the film, it the the voiceover guy said Jack Nicholson. Susan Sarandon, Cher, Michelle Pfeiffer. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't know who Cher was. And in my head, I was like, Jack Nicholson and Susan Sarandon are sharing Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> so I think that's going to be my pick. I think she should be in a, I think she should be in a polyamorous relationship with Michelle Pfeiffer and Susan Sarandon. Oh, great. Great ladies of Hollywood. That is a the Witches of Eastwick properly done. That the is Witches great... of Eastwick reunited. Yeah. How exactly. have we not had that answer before? They can all take care of each other. Be, great uh, answer. Great oh, choice. And great so fucking couple oh. choice. Thank you so much for being oh, here. Oh no, a pleasure. What a pleasure to, to go back and, and remember these these two people who I love oh, so it's amazing. much. And um, Max, where can our listeners find you? Oh well, so I have uh, I have a, a sketch show on uh, BBC Radio Four at the moment. Uh, What's on Cornwall? It's a, it's a Scot, it's a, a Scottish, it's a Cornish themed sketch show. Um, four episodes with some with some very talented people. Uh, so you can hear that on BBC Sounds. All episodes available on the BBC Sounds app. Um, and I also just finished a, uh, a TV show that's coming out on Channel Four called um, Lenny Henry's Legends of Comedy. Uh, where Lenny interviews uh, some very famous uh, comedic stars like Ramesh Ranganathan and um, Alexi Sale about their comedic influences. Presumably, uh, I guess, Grainne and I will be second series, I guess. It's absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're both <laughs> so, going to be... Uh, obviously coming be, up, so... Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, so they're both... Uh, one of the Channel 4 things coming out in a couple of weeks and... Excellent. Well, thank you for being our little legend of comedy this evening. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's been Mm -hmm. so much fun. Oh, thank you. The Way They Were is an Amanda Redman production produced by Abby Weaver and Amanda Redman. We want to hear your celebrity couple crush. So email us on thewaytheywerepod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at thewaytheywerepod and we're on Instagram at thewaytheywerepodcast. Thanks to you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. The The Way way They they were. Were.